Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Good to be here. (laughs) Are you you here? Um, I think... I'm here the best way I can be here. I mean, I'm a bit worried about you here. I know. I it's it's been a couple of weeks, and um, I've missed you guys. Uh, do you want to tell everybody why we haven't done a podcast? Oh well, I put it. We put it up on Instagram, but y'all, I finally got the COVID. I finally got the Rona. I guess it was the Omicron. I don't I, know that finally is the word. I just think everybody's gonna finally get it at some point. Um. I mean, not, not me, not you. I think you're immune. I mean, you've been taking care of me and you've not tested positive or had any symptoms. Um, I thought I was going to just die at one point. Um, it was rough. Mm-hmm. It was rough. Uh, I, and I don't think I've been that sick. Well, I can't remember the last time I've been that sick. Um, but good news. I didn't. You're upright. I'm, I'm upright now. Um <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm, I'm sounding a little rough, I know, and I'll be clearing my throat some, so I apologize. But uh, no, I mean I'm good. I I didn't have to be I didn't have to be hospitalized or anything like that. I I didn't have any trouble really breathing. It just mostly felt like my head was going to blow up, mm-hmm. and uh, I still I have no taste. Uh, yeah, so it's just so disappointing because I smoked so much meat this weekend this was uh, a really bad fourth of july for I, me <laughs> fireworks is one of my favorite things that i haven't seen in one wow and yeah you smoked and and i love the smell of smoking yeah meats and i couldn't i couldn't enjoy any of it um the only thing i could taste on any of it was the salt yeah <clears throat> i mean i love salt but you know Uh, I've not, uh, this is going to be a shocker for everyone. I've not had a drink since last Tuesday. So, uh. Cheers to you. Yeah, bite me. Unfortunately, I can't say the same. No, I think you've drank enough for both of us. As I've 
as I'm holding a beer. As I've got my sweet tea. Um, yeah, I've been drinking water and Gatorade. And you made me some sweet tea, so thank you. Yeah. But yeah, y'all, it's been rough. And so anybody that, that gets this crap, uh, I'm sorry. I mean, luckily I've been vaccinated and boosted. Yeah. So it could have been worse. Um, but I am, I'm, I'm functioning mostly now. I've, um, I'm not seeing any clients in person because my energy level is just still really low. I have been doing some Zooms. So been able to do something. Just mm-hmm. had to take some breaks in between. But yeah. I'm getting back. Yeah. I'm getting back. And I just, we've been talking about recording this for a couple of days and I just didn't have it in me. So I was like, you know what? We just need to do it. Let's just dive in. I mean, it's going to be uh, maybe not as entertaining as it normally is. <laughs> uh, who knows? I mean, <clears throat> I can go grab another drink. Maybe maybe it'll get more entertaining. Everybody's going to be like, this is sober, Nikki. We don't like no. her. <laughs> she's, she's too calm. No, actually, I don't. Um, I'm pretty much the same with or without alcohol. No, you are. I mean, really. Yeah, you are. <sighs> you are not the same with or without COVID, though. <laughs> No, I am not. You um, are. You were a totally different human when you were sick. Are people going to be like, is she a big baby and needy? I'm not going <clears> to <throat> comment. You're probably smart to do that. I'm not too needy. But it's nice to have someone taking care of you. For sure. So I hope you all had a good fourth. I hope your dog stayed safe. I hope your dogs stayed under stress. Um, or stress-free, under a high level of stress. Um, luckily, our guys don't have any problems with fireworks. Uh, Isabella, I think at one point, was outside watching the neighbors. She was sitting in the yard, mm-hmm. actually looking up at the sky, watching them. Yes, yeah, she's. Um, <laughs> which is weird because most Border Collies, cattle dogs, have some sound sensitivity. And she... Is sound sensitive to some things, but no, the fireworks. The only thing she's really sound sensitive to are high pitched noises. So a fiddle, for instance. Yes. Some horns. Yeah. Uh, she's a little sensitive to that. She's sort of not quite sure if it's uncomfortable or if she's singing along, but anyway, it could go either way. I'm going to go with possibly she's uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Little man, this was his first July 4th. We made some adjustments. You got you used a lot of lickety mats. We used a lot of stuff topples. Oh, man, yeah. And man, he, I am he did so in, I'm so in favor of silent fireworks, though. I love the boom, but I completely My, understand why we need to go to silent. I mean, not for just pets, but oh, yeah. for veterans and our birds and our birds. And our bees. <laughs> birds are so stressed. Yeah. And the thing is, where we live, because it's, it's sort of rural, as soon as the fireworks go on sale, so that's what, mm, late late June, mid to late June when they actually go on sale, and then they were still doing them last night. I'm sure they'll, they'll do them this weekend. It goes on for a couple weeks. But so you know, it wasn't as bad of, this year. Usually we hear them. Um, Speak for starting. yourself, Nyquil. Oh well, okay. I mean, you were you were in a drug induced coma for a minute. <laughs> you missed some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, was, you know, 
I just don't think it's been as bad as it has it well, has been in the past. We've also had a drought, and there technically was a ban on residential fireworks uh, around our area. But you know, yeah, I think we. I think when people spend like a grand on fireworks, they're sort of ignoring that. Unfortunately. Luckily, well, we got some rain. I think we've but. gotten like 25 drops of rain in two days. I, I mean, we got rain up the road, but it didn't get to our house yesterday. I'm afraid like I crazy. did something to make um, Mother mad. We're, we're going to go out and I, do a rain I don't dance. know what I need to offer. <laughs> some sort of offering. I don't know. Like, I'm trying here. Figure it out. <sighs> oh, well. I mean, that's the way it goes. But overall, I'm glad to be back to talk today about an episode that I've been wanting to do um, because uh, to me it's important and uh, and I think it's important that we kind of talk about why I think it's important and that is words matter. And I mean, I'm sure people have heard this, right? Words matter. You know, like, you hear that growing up. Don't call yourself dumb. Words matter. Mm-hmm. Right? How you talk about yourself. We were not allowed to say stupid, idiot, or dumb in our home. I wish we would not had been allowed because my brother called me stupid all the time. I mean, we called each other some other really horrible things. But even to this day, if I'm, if I'm joking with uh, one of my younger brothers in particular, if I'm just joking around, I'm like, idiot. He still gets hurt by that. You know, I've called him uh, something similar to that. Yeah. And it did. It hurt his feet, and I didn't it's realize. It's because we grew up, you were not, you did not do that. Because my mom's like, uh-uh, that's not okay. You can, you do not get to call your siblings that. You don't get to call anybody that. I tell you, I, I think it is important that when, because I think that what we ultimately think is going to come out in our words. Mm-hmm. Right. And when I'm working with clients, uh, a lot of times when they're, they're coming back and asking me a question about something we just talked about, uh, say it's, it's talking uh, interruption of an inappropriate chewing, inappropriate chewing, right? Mm-hmm. So when I explain to them how to deal with inappropriate chewing, I talk about interrupting that and then redirecting to something else that they are allowed to chew on. And so when people come back and talk to me about it, they oftentimes say, now tell me again, how do I correct mm-hmm. chewing? And I stop them right there and, and I tell them, don't think about it correction wise. It's more of an interruption. Because for me, if you're, if you're thinking correction, even though you just heard me say interruption, if you're thinking correction, it might, that interruption may come out in more of a corrective style. Right. And I, and I think that's where I want people to be very careful at using the right words to help explain what it is that that you're trying to get across. It also sort of reframes the way you think about your dog, too. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll get we yeah. get more into that. Yeah, it definitely because um, this is new to me. I'm just sort of looking at your list and going, "Oh, yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense." This makes sense. This makes sense. Um, yeah, I had I told Brett. I said, I said, you're gonna have to carry me on this one. You're gonna. I've got. I mean, here's my list, but you're gonna have to carry this thing. 
because um, um, I'm not as in that COVID brain. Right. Well, is this, a real is, thing, this right? is the first time I'm seeing this. And, and I'll, I'm going to preface this by saying I'm, I'm looking at some of these words and, uh, man, I think, I think we got to change some of our handouts. I agree. Because, um, yeah. Uh, I think we've used we've used this language. Oh, absolutely. Before, um, and you know when it's it's like the more you say something, the more you believe it. Yes, and therefore, you know, the more times it comes out of your mouth. So it's not just your thinking um, sort of dictates the words you use. Yeah, you know, it's it, it's vice versa as well. Yeah, the words you use dictate your thinking. Yes, absolutely. So I wish okay. I'd have, I wish I'd have printed out that that saying about you know your thoughts become your words your words become your actions your actions becomes your what is that? it's a it's a really amazing saying and I forgot who ultimately said that and it's it's really powerful and uh, and I think it's something that we really need to all think about matter of fact you know what I'm going to pause this and I'm going to go look it's that up probably and on I'm someone's come back. office wall. It probably is on somebody's on one office of those, wall. Uh, motivational posters. Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to pause and, and I'm going to go find it. <laughs> okay. We are back and I found it and um, I thought it was maybe Gandhi, but I wasn't for sure. But yes, it is Gandhi and it is your beliefs become your thoughts. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values. Your values become your destiny. And to me, I find that, I think it's really powerful because I, it does all start with your mind. But isn't that great, though? Because that also means you can go the opposite direction absolutely. and you can change things. Well, absolutely. I mean, I mean, if they, if people, if y'all have listened enough, you know, I love laws of attraction and universe. And I think that you have power. Um, I did not have enough power to get rid of this COVID. Um, you know, and I tried my thoughts I was really trying hard in my positive thoughts. And go a lot of different directions with that. You could go a lot of different directions, right. But it it means, but really it it starts there, right? If you think, let's say if you think, and I'm going to take this one because this is a big one. When you think your dog is stubborn, Mm -hmm. right? You're using that word. And I totally have used that word. I think I still do. I do, but I kind of change it it sometimes. I change it from... From stubborn to tenacious. Oh, that's good. Right? Yeah. So it, it's kind of communicating. Persistent is right? Yeah, because what I'm yeah. communicating is your dog is, you know, people say, well, my dog's stubborn. In their mind, if they're saying that, they may be exhibiting a behavior that is automatically assuming their dog is just not wanting to listen. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're just being stubborn. It has a negative. It has a negative. Right. Right. So if we change what we're really saying, um, and, and for me, I like stubbornness, but I don't like what people think of it when they say my dog's stubborn. Right. For me. So so that's why I've been changing my words to your dog is tenacious. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing, because that means that your dog is going to be persistent in trying to learn something new right now there's a negative side to that to where your dog is going to be just as tenacious at trying something you don't like Mm -hmm. to see if it's going to work you can't have it one way or the other it it goes across the board 
But I think if we think of it more like my dog is tenacious, then I think that we can have a little bit better respectability to to the dog's kind of thought process and desire and motivation instead of automatically assuming they're just stubborn and they, they don't want to listen. Right. And I think that's where I want people to really start thinking about what words you're using. Yeah. This this um, past few days, um, I haven't done much but reading. Um, and there's a, a, a little uh, post that was out with uh, some, some of my colleagues of talking about um, using the word dog owner and yeah. using the word owner. Mm-hmm. And this is something that's been brought up many years ago where people don't want to say dog owner because it makes people think about you own an object. Right. That a dog is not an individual. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of people say dog guardian. Um, dog parent. Dog parent. You know, dog mom. Dog human. Dog human. Whatever. So yeah. it's, but for me, I think it's one of those that, that one's hard for me to wrap my head around because you kind of are. I don't want to say you're an owner, like, well, but, but you are for, responsible. For me, well, you don't own your child. No. I mean, so for me, that one was pretty easy. I mean, this this came about, I think I think people sort of pushed back on this because I think sort of like the PETA crowd started that. And I think a lot of even animal rights organizations were like, oh, nope, we're not going to align ourselves with them. But um, there's a... There's a good point there. I mean, we're not just guardians of our dogs or our children. Like, we're guardians of our planet. We're guardians of ourselves. I mean, so it's it's a little bit bigger than that. Um, I, I am totally on board with completely changing that verbiage. Uh, and I've been using it for a long time because of that. I think because it goes so much further and deeper than just your dog it sort of gets you into the mindset of i have this responsibility to not just myself not just to my family not to my dog but also to other people uh the planet i mean it sort of it sort of builds on on that so i think i think that's a very positive way to look at um having a dog in your home all right, because you know we're gonna. I'm now starting to tell people that they're more like a tour guide or upper management. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you can use. I mean, the right. dog's still not a person. We know that. I mean, they're still, and they definitely need guidance in our world. I mean, they still eat poop. You know, it's like they're not. <laughs> there are probably people who eat poop too. That's what. Are you okay, whatever. I'm not. I'm not judging anybody. What I'm saying though is, is I. I'm. I am 100% on board with the whole ditching the owner term. Though, I mean, you know, when somebody says it to me, I don't get right. I've offended. I'm not correct on anybody. But when I'm when I'm saying it, that's what I, you know. Yeah, I don't know. That's I, the term I use. I mean, I use, yeah, I mean, I own my dog. Um, but I don't mean it in that way. But again, that see, it goes back to that words matter. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and obviously something like uh, the dog guardian, dog parent, um, you know, whatever you're you're going to use. 
I'm not sure if that one itself changes the way you treat your dog. I think it depends on the person. I I really do. Uh, I've seen people who, you know, have basically said, you know, I own you, goddammit. Like, you better do what I say. And I mean, that that goes further. That goes past an animal in the home. I mean, so, uh, no, I think it's very important. Um, again, do I think that everyone who calls themselves a dog owner is an asshole? Absolutely not. It's just sort of that's just it's a part of yeah. This is a part of our language, right? And this is something to just to get you guys thinking about what words, right? You know, and how they can change the way you treat something external. Yeah, I just I'm I'm I just have a problem with saying I own anything living. You own me. So I guess I. You know. She's like, oh my God. What do I say about my plants? Are you trying to return it? What do you say about your plants? Uh, would I be a plant a plant guardian? I don't know if plant guardian. I don't know. I don't think we've ever discussed I don't this. I think you said I'm sort of a plant owner. Plant obsessed I don't, human. It's really weird, isn't it? And that's again, it's just, it's, I really want this episode to be thought provoking more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's even for me, it's. When I was making, when I was just kind of putting down some words that I seen to to hear more often than not, that guardian was one of the last ones I kind of put on here because of the conversation of, you know, pet parent. Um, and I would say that if I had to, to, to call myself something, I would probably go with pet parent mm-hmm. because I do feel like I am, I'm guiding and developing Myers and helping him figure out this world. Right. And, you know, I feel like that's what we did with Rose. We guided her and helped her, even though we weren't like, we didn't birth her, but we were her parents. Right. And um, so I think, you know, but that one is just kind of more of, I think everybody's going to have a a little different opinion. And I I don't necessarily think it's going to change how much you love a dog, whether you say I'm a guardian owner or you know, pet parent. But when we're looking at interacting with the dog, I do think it's important that we use some of the right words and that we think about it. So mm-hmm. going back to the, instead of I'm um, correcting a behavior, more of thinking I'm interrupting a behavior so that I can teach the dog what is more appropriate. Right. Because if I'm thinking correction, what do people mostly think? For me, the word correction is a harsh word. Because of what it's associated with, right? So if I'm correcting, people are going to feel like they need to use a firm tone, a loud voice, mm-hmm. right? Where if it's an interruption, maybe it kind of elicits a different emotional response. Well, I mean, the opposite of correct is incorrect or wrong. So then that sort of plants a seed that whatever your dog is doing is wrong. Which then you get into the whole ethical thing. Well, they have to know the difference between right or wrong. Well, it's a dog. They don't. So, I mean, it it goes, it kind of just keeps going, right? When you you say, I've got to correct this behavior because it's wrong. Well, why is it wrong? Right. Is it morally wrong? Like, is your dog robbing a bank? Right. I mean, is... (laughs) 
you know, I, it's your dog stealing from people. What is, what, what is your dog doing that's wrong? No, it's not convenient for you. Or it's not appropriate. It's inappropriate. Uh, you know, the dog doesn't have a moral compass. No. Just like a young child, you don't correct them. You redirect, you interrupt, you teach. Uh, same thing with, with a dog. Yeah, and you know, it's it's funny because you mentioned about the like the whole right and wrong thing. Because I get a lot of people who, when they start to tell me uh, kind of the rules of the house or the expectations, to, to watch people kind of cringe when they tell me their dog either sleeps in the bed or is allowed on the furniture. Like I don't give a shit. Like literally, they're they're <laughs> like this this look like I am going to punish. Like she's them, gonna yell and yeah. I'm gonna and she's I'm gonna, gonna judge yell and yell right. And I literally look at I'm like I don't care. I don't live here, right? Because society has told us this is wrong. You mm-hmm. have you can't. You know what? It's bullshit. Don't worry about that. And you know, and if you want your dog on your furniture, fine. I don't care. But it's like. Don't automatically have your mind set that this behavior is wrong or that behavior is wrong. Right. Jumping is a great example. My guy is allowed to jump. Yeah. Can that be a pain in the ass sometimes? Absolutely. Right. Well, he's, yeah. I mean, yesterday he's playing with a four-year-old kid and he's jumping on him and on his back legs because he's in his lanky stage. Yep. He's about as tall as, as a four-year-old. Yeah. And so we interrupted it. Well, mostly you interrupted it. I sat a great distance away and was like, could you get the dog, Brit? Um, but it was, but I tell people, he's allowed to jump. I can interrupt it if I need to. Right. But jumping isn't a bad behavior. It's it's something that it, it's a personal preference. And that's, again, getting into that word, the word that you use, bad behavior. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just an inappropriate behavior in the moment. Yeah. Right. Barking isn't bad. It's annoying sometimes and it's not always appropriate, but it's not a bad behavior. Yeah. If your dog growls at you because you're sticking your hand in his food bowl, that's not bad behavior. That's appropriate behavior in an appropriate situation because you shouldn't be putting your hand in your dog's bowl. Mm hmm. But it's when we start to think about, oh, this is bad and this is good and I know this is right and this is wrong, really trying to get people to change that thought process. It's a it's a big challenge. But I think that once you can start thinking about ch- that thought process and the words you're choosing, I think it can help with the process of changing those actions. So when you see your dog jumping on grandma, you're not freaking out and getting mad at your dog because they're being bad. It's, you know, it's just, that's not an appropriate behavior in this situation. Right. And maybe it's not appropriate for your dog at all. I didn't want my Rottweilers to jump and they didn't get to unless they were given permission. But it was typically only jumping on me for, for that. Yeah. But it's, again, it's just stop with the bad and good. Pr- appropriate, inappropriate, inappropriate, always appropriate sometimes, not appropriate sometimes. Think about it more of that. Mm-hmm. And, and. Not necessarily bad or good, and and that's where expectations are so huge. Yeah, you know, like hey, your blanket's up on the couch. That means you're allowed to get up here. Yeah, on the blanket, on yep. your on your place. 
you know, teaching, yep. a, teaching a place command is so important or teaching the couch command or uh, a hug. Uh, that's what I used to do with Jake. Jake never jumped. No, he didn't. Unless I gave him a hug command. And then he, you know, was as tall as I was on his hind legs. So, um, yeah, so it's it's really about setting expectations. Yeah. And and communicate clearly communicating that. Yeah, and not just automatically assuming something's bad or good. Mm-hmm. You look at your environment, your dog, and what's important to you, right? But, and, and we, we will get into this a little bit later, um, about words matter, about words for cues and commands. Mm-hmm. But I, if we get to that, we'll talk about that. But this isn't so much about that as it is about really what we're using the words for when we're talking about the dog. Um, you know, so with that, talking about correction, not correction, it's more of interruption. Instead of talking punishment, well, how do I punish the dog? Well, I don't want you to think about it in punishment form because punishment's kind of harsh. It sounds harsh. It sounds scary. Yeah. Right? Um, for me, it's consequences. Now, consequences actually does not sound that much better. No, it really right? doesn't. But there are good honestly. consequences and there are bad consequences. Right. right? If, you, if you look at the word itself, yeah. If you look at the word itself, right? So it's, it's again, it maybe even thinking it, instead of using the word like punishment or even consequences, just even saying a temporary um, delay in receiving rewards. That's, or temporary. That's, that's <laughs> that a was, lot. Everybody just wants a word. A word. So let we'll find it. Well, good you know luck what? with that. Hang with, on. With I've already got. I've COVID already got here. Uh, already got Webster pulled up because I was looking up sort of the definition of parent, which um, sort of backtracking here, a person who brings up and cares for another. Okay. I, so yeah. that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I Pet parent. I, I didn't look up guardian, but um, I was. Yeah, we can, we can do some thesaurus.com shit here. You ready? Yeah, because I would like to see what could we use instead of punishment and or consequences, right? I mean, but even in when we're talking reward system, it's still a positive consequence. All right, so we got, ooh, I don't like repercussions. I mean, we could totally get into the ABC thing, but I'm not going to, you know, antecedent behavior consequence. It, because that C is part of no, it is right. It so, is it is part of. I mean, scientifically speaking, yes, it is part of it. But it's the way that we've used it. It's the connotation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think it's necessarily bad if you use that because I like repercussion. Like I don't like that. No, that doesn't. No, that. Um, we got result. <laughs> we got outcome. There's my. There's my. We man got a barking. dog bark in here. Uh, we got effect. I mean, effect, Out, outcome, outcome. I like the outcome. Yeah. If you sit, the outcome will be you get a reward, right? And you get petted, you get a treat. But we know we're not going to change these words. And it's not so much about me sitting here and saying we need to change these words across the board. This is really about just thought provoking, right? And think about how you talk about your dog. Um, you know, so we talked about stubborn. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that kind of being uh, tenacious. Right. Um, another word that we just need to absolutely erase completely from any type of conversation about our dogs is spitefulness. 
or spiteful. Yep. It's not a thing. Your dogs are are not malicious. They're not spiteful. They're not pissing on the floor because you left them at home. Uh, They may be pissing on the floor because you left them at home and didn't let them out to go potty. Or maybe there's an issue. All right. But dogs are not doing things out of spitefulness. That's a human thing. And, And if you think about your dog that way, would you be in a relationship with a human who you deemed spiteful? Then why do you? Why would you kind of continue being with a dog that you thought spiteful? Right, and and I'm not saying that you need to maybe go get rid of your dog. What I'm saying is, change your thought process about your dog. Yeah, your dog's not an asshole. Okay, sometimes they can be assholes. Well, I mean, but they're not. It's not a purposeful asshole. They're not sitting in their room listing out all the ways they're going to make your life miserable. No, you know, like they don't. They're not writing in their diary, like, today, I'm going to do this to mom. Today, I'm going to eat her favorite shoe. Because... Because she left me at home. Because I'm mad. And because I think it's funny. Yeah, it's not so, a thing. Like, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. It's just like saying that my dog has selective hearing. No. If your dog is not hearing you, there's a lot of reasons why. And it's probably because you've not taught the appropriate behavior with the correct cue that you would like to use. Just like if you're using the word down to get off the furniture and down to lay down, your dog can't read your mind on which down you're asking for in that moment or down from jumping on a human. Right. Those are three different behaviors. Yeah. Right. Down from a human is I'm putting two of my four feet back on the floor down from the couch is I got to get all four of these feet off this material onto this material and down to lay down his belly on floor. And so when we say, oh, my dog is selective hearing, I told him to get down when he was dance, uh, dancing, when he was jumping on granny and he wouldn't get down. Isabella dances on granny. Oh, yes, she so, does. Yes, that makes sense. But down, so it's again, we're using these words thinking our dog understands it. Well, I, I, I think I see it more with recall. When people said, my dog has selective hearing with recall. Yes. Okay. I'm not going to lie. There are times where I don't think Isabella actually hears me because she's probably in a red zone. Yeah, that's not selective hearing. That's just completely you're Uh, tuned out because she's just tuned out. Her genetics or she's right there. And you have to take that into consideration as well. If they're... You've got a hunting breed or a herding it's breed. It's like my bloodhound won't come when called when it's got its nose on a rabbit. Well, duh. You know shit. You can, duh. Duh. <laughs> uh, so, if we're talking about selective hearing, we should only be talking about your father. Right. My dad when totally has selective hearing. Oh, my dad totally has selective so, hearing. Yeah he, yeah. he totally chooses when to tune in um, and when to play the I can't hear you card. Uh, because he likes to survive. Yes, he does. He does a good job it's of it. It's a survival it mechanism. It is a survival mechanism. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm just going to kind of go through a few more of these. Uh, just again, all this to, to make you guys start thinking. Um, another one that drives me crazy. Actually, they, there's several that drive me crazy. But when people say my dog is dominant... Or I have multiple dogs in the household, and my so-and-so is the alpha. That one I struggle with because the way that those words have been used in the past in dog training, 
mm-hmm. and how they're kind of looked at. Like it's a bad thing that that your dog, even if your dog is dominant and it's and if that was a thing, why is that a bad thing? Right. Right. Why are we looking at it as a bad thing? But also when we're looking at something like my dog is the alpha, she's the alpha of the group. Well, considering there's really not a thing, dogs don't have that mentality. Um, I, I don't like us thinking that way because then we tend to look at an alpha as being allowed to be an asshole to the other dogs. Yeah. And typically when I have someone tell me that they have multiple dogs and the one dog is the alpha, I know I'm probably going to see bully behavior. Uh, because when we're looking at things like leadership, uh, that's not something that should be so in your face. Um, it's very su- it's something that's very subtle and only uh, needed to occur um, if something comes up and a dog needs to handle that. Right. If that makes any sense, right. yeah, my brain. You're- <laughs> I'm, I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm going in circles sometimes. Hell, I might. I might have to delete this entire sorry, damn thing. Sorry, I was. But I, so, and, and another thing with dominant, right? So, to me, I look at at something that's dominant is something that takes control. Mm-hmm. And I've always explained if a dog has a temperament of being dominant, um, I take that as more of a natural leader. Leader, yeah. right? They can problem solve. They can control things if they need to. And whereas being submissive is more of a natural follower. Right. Right. It's not a bad thing either way. Um, but I also don't think dogs wake up again and, and go, you know what? I'm going to come into this house and I'm going to be the dominant one. Not that they don't do that. that. That's not a thing. So we have to stop thinking, oh, my dog is being dominant. Or my favorite is when you're laying on the ground and Isabella <laughs> is laying on you. We joke that oh she's trying to dominate you. Uh, but it's we're kidding. It, we are kidding because it's it's stupid. It, dogs are not trying to dominate anybody. Yeah, I mean they can be an asshole and bully just like you know any organism can, but they're not. Again, it, there's not this spitefulness, maliciousness of I'm going to just go into this dog park and see how many dogs' asses I can kick. Right. I mean, Isabel might. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, sorry, I so I know I sort of tuned out there, but there's a reason because it had to do with dominance and, and the alpha. I don't know if you've seen the photo of um, it's a wolf pack. There's a line and then the caption says like the alpha is in the back because they're the strongest. And if something attacks them from the back, they can they can take care of the pack. Have you seen that? I have not. So this has been going around for several years and it's like. Sort of like, yay, like it means Alpha doesn't have to be in the... Fr- okay, so first of all, that's not true. Um, it's a false It's a false thing, by the way. So I, I was looking this up because it, it was very interesting. Um, the International Wolf Center does not even use the term Alpha Wolf anymore. They don't use Alpha at all. Um, because sort of like you were saying, it's more about leadership um leadership roles change depending on the situation who's better at what and um, it's more of a communication working together kind of thing um so i was i was looking this up because i was like i don't know if that's actually true before i mention it uh 
it's not. It's not true. Uh, they say that, you know, this this wolf that's very healthy and it's has been known to be sort of the leader um, had fallen to the back probably because he got distracted. <laughs> <laughs> this is a reputable source i'm looking at by the way this isn't this is a, That's actually probably this very is, true this, this is a wolf uh this is the or uh international wolf center um they are sort of they sort of know their shit um but anyway it's, i i was I, I i find it interesting that even wolf people do not use the term alpha anymore and they're very careful about using dominant right because to them, dominance also means leadership. In a negative connotation. No. Well, that's what people think of. Right, it, right, right, right. But what they're, when they, like the same way you would use it in your communication seminar, mm-hmm. this dog is dominant. It's dominant over the situation, but more meaning it's the leader of the Yeah, situation. I'd much rather use, so instead of even using the word dominant, natural leadership skills. Right. Um, right. You know, I have natural leadership skills. Some people would call me dominant. <laughs> um, I like to think I'm more flexible these days where I don't have to be in charge. But, and I think that when you look at a a good grouping of dogs, what you'll find is that they all share responsibility based on what their skills are. Right. And that's why we have to stay away from um, again, labeling and putting these labels on these dogs because then we automatically assume if I say, oh, my dog is dominant, then I'm going to look at his behavior towards another dog or a human as something different, right? So if my dog jumps up in my lap and I automatically think my dog is dominant, then I'm going to assume the dog's trying to dominate me. Therefore, I'm going to be very inconsistent in my uh, interaction with that dog. Exactly. And and that's, again, yeah, this is the whole reason I want you guys to really think about the words that you're using and, and the words that you're choosing. Um, so another one that I feel like we really need to talk about is reactivity. Uh, I hear it all the time, right? My dog is reactive mm-hmm. on leash. My dog is reactive towards cars. My dog is reactive towards um, you know, bicycles. My dog is reactive towards other dogs. And the thing is, is that for me, reactivity is driven by an emotional response to fear, um, maybe agitation. Mm-hmm. Whereas most of the dogs that I see, especially young dogs who are being um, crazy on the leash when seeing another dog, to me, that's just normal response, mm-hmm. right? Uh, a normal response of I'm excited to see a person. I'm excited to see a dog. I'm excited to see that bicycle going by because I'm a herding breed, right? It's a natural behavior that is occurring, but that we automatically assume is reactive. And then what ends up happening is people freak out and think their dog's being reactive. So then they start trying to correct the dog and punish the dog and not realizing the dog is doing some natural responses, and, right. and now we're going to create reactivity Real based reactivity. on an emotional, emotional fear right. of not now an emotional fear, not towards a bicycle, but, but by the human when a bicycle is present. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to be very careful and stop labeling every dog as being leash reactive. Yeah. Or being just reactive in general. Yeah. To me, reactive is really a, a reaction. 
right? Reactivity is a reaction to something. There's no thought put into it. Where response would be some thought put into it. My dog's response to this is this. When you're talking about like a normal behavior, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like from a genetic standpoint or from a yeah. just a, being a dog standpoint? Well, think of it this way. So like if I am um, going through a haunted house and I know around this corner something is scary going to happen, I might scream out of response to that. But if I'm in a haunted house and I am not prepared and something jumps out at me, that scream is going to be a reactivity, so, reaction instead of a response. That may not be the best example. Well, it could be. But... We can get into this right now. Right. Um, me, high-functioning anxiety, goes into a haunted house. Knowing, I know exactly where everybody is, but I'm still going to react in a terrified way. Because you're emotional. Based on anxiety. It, yeah, your emotion is up into, a, into an area where you cannot think about how you need to be responsive. Right. So lack of, it's a lack of self-control based on emotion. Well, mm. right. Okay. So, so, but you're, I guess I, okay. First you have to identify what anxiety is. Um, Because when, when we're dealing with truly reactive dogs, a lot of times there is anxiety Yes. Uh, a lot of times it's connected to, you know, fear, confidence, you know, anxiety issues. So thinking about me going through a haunted house, already hating anything scary and already at, you know, uh, <laughs> an anxiety level that's, you know, higher than than normal people on a daily basis. So my reaction is going to be a lot different than your response because you love horror. You love this. You love the jump scares. You know exactly what to expect. And the reason is because you can focus on it. Yes. And you have the ability to look at your surroundings and see what's going on and expect what's going on. You know, you're you're a little more clear headed. So maybe maybe that's yeah. maybe that's the difference. So a dog who is reacting to I quote unquote reacting to um I don't know, the neighbor coming outside. Maybe they're just responding to them and they're perfectly present. That's what it's about. It's about presence too. I like that. Yeah. Um maybe they're perfectly present. But they know that that neighbor is going to give them a treat. So they act a fool. But they're not. That's not reactivity. Right. But so so many times we get those calls, though, of, well, my dog is reactive to this, this, and this. Well, is it excitement? Or is it true reactivity? Are they responding to something because there's, you know, this this reward that's going to happen or are they truly being reactive because, oh my God, they can't even think because they're like shutting down. Right. So look at the, the behavior of, let's say your dog, when you come home, the excitement of your dog is you come in the door. 
mm-hmm. right? That would be responding to a situation where they know what the outcome is going to be. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get pets. I'm going to get loved on by mom. Now, take that same behavior while on leash when they see a dog across the way and they love playing with dogs. Yeah. Dog means social, means play. Ooh, because, hey, when I was a puppy, mom let me meet everybody when I was on leash. And now she never lets me meet anybody. So now my response is out of frustration but it's the same behavior. It's the same response, level of response, of excitement, of seeing that dog or you coming home. It's it's all this like anticipation of what it could be, whereas reactivity is more of, I don't know what to expect in this situation. All I know is it scares me, and I, I don't have the capability of thinking about how I should respond to this. Because reactivity is about survival. Yes, uh, fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah. that You're going to react one of those ways. That's what reactivity truly is. Right. So, But if I, see, if I see you coming home, I'm not in reactivity mode of fight, flight, or freeze. Right. I'm happy. You're home. I'm excited to see you. That's my response to, mm-hmm. to that. Yeah. I think that people always want to identify their dog as being reactive. Therefore, they make, they're afraid to let their dogs meet other dogs, afraid to see people because they're afraid that the dog is going to bite out of what they're seeing. When in actuality, it's probably the dog is just being responsive to something that excites them. To stimuli. Yeah. You're, you're responding to stimuli. Yeah. Um, whereas reactivity is, is coming from an emotional yeah. response. And your response, though... Or, or um, emotional... Um, I can't help you because well, my brain. Sorry. Just an emotion in general. Yeah. But it, I think with response, that response is going to come from the history of what I have received. What reward have I received from this? Mm-hmm. As a puppy, we see people, we see dogs. I got to say hi to everybody. Now I'm older. And now when I'm pulling towards dogs and people and I'm excited, mom's getting really mad at me and, and, is, and is acting like I'm being reactive. And now yeah. won't let me say hi. Yeah. All right. So it's again, it's really about making people understand that just because your dog is doing something doesn't automatically mean that the dog is being reactive and is going to show aggressive behavior towards that object. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's kind of the whole. It it really is an internal thing. Reactivity yeah. is internal. Yes. Um, yes. And 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 automatic in that it's. I don't want to say automatic. Um, it it bypasses the frontal cortex. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so, yeah. Exactly. So the there emotional yeah. part, when you're reactive, the emotional part is not asking the decision-making, how do I need to do this? It's just doing it. <laughs> it goes past. It just goes It goes past. above it goes upper above management. It, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's like, nope, this it's is like what we're doing. Reactivity, that, that bridge is gone. There's right. no conversation. Whereas response is it... The motion says, hey, frontal cortex, how do I need to respond to this? Oh, my God. It's my granny. What is your granny? No, I'm just saying. Oh, like, yes. That's, oh, yeah. that's what, like, oh Isabella. Yeah. Isabella Oh, my loves God. It's tea, my right? granny. Yeah. And then she goes like a mad woman because mm-hmm. she loves, loves granny. But the thing is, like, on leash, 
uh, like with squirrels, I would say she's, I've been saying she's reactive to squirrels. No, she just, she loves squirrels. Yeah. And she almost caught one in the backyard earlier. We had one. We had one in the backyard. I don't know what it was thinking. Um, But now her response is to go insane. (laughs) Actually, I think hers is getting to a point where it's reactivity that she's not thinking about it. Because I've done that. Because it's it's shot up through the, it's, it's gone above and beyond. I've, I've caused that though. I know I have. Well, I think most people do cause reactivity from natural responses. Yeah. Right. I don't think, I think majority of the things when, when we have problems, especially on leash, the majority of the behavior has started as a normal natural response, but people have created reactivity Mm -hmm. because the way that they have handled it. Case in point, a child who is told or not allowed to cry or express their emotions that are totally normal in response to a situation yes they're not able to respond uh in a situation the way that is natural for them and that's suppressed later they become very reactive and i mean we see that through violence we we see that all too often um where it's just sort of like reasoning is gone yep and now there's just reactivity because there was no ability to respond appropriately earlier on. Right. You weren't taught that that was okay. To you be were, responsive. You were, told, you were told that's not okay. Right. Yeah. You weren't given the skills. And, and that's what we have to make sure is that we're giving our dogs the skills to be responsive in different environments and situations. But that means we have to be very aware yeah. Of our environment and situations, which is a whole nother episode. Sorry, like, I, sorry, we went down a. But that's all right because total... I think that was that for me that was a big one because I just I hear it all the time and I think when people are always thinking their dog is being reactive, they start to isolate the dog, mm-hmm. right? And so the dog's life and their welfare gets diminished because we think the dog is being reactive, and and it could be because of how we've handled it. But I don't want people to jump to that conclusion. My dog is reactive. Yeah. Cause I mean, you'll have a client where um, I'll say it's a reactive dog. It's reactive to this, this and this. And then you get there and you're like, this is, this is a manners issue. Yeah. This is a teaching, you know, situation. Your dog just doesn't have the appropriate skills <laughs> to, on how to respond they just to this. To know what the expectations are. Um, this is not a behavioral issue, so correct. There's not. It's not emotionally yeah. driven. Well, it's emotionally driven, but it's not. Uh, uh, I'm gonna just drop it there because the more I try to explain that, I think my brain is. I think we need to do an episode. Well, it has. To, I mean, there's a deep episode. It's like, into is there that. not that dogs reason the same way we do? Right, but there are associations. Yes, um, and environmental cues. Right. And so what is the association? You know, for a human, it's like you don't even, you just skip the reasoning section of your brain. Yeah. And go straight to whatever it is. Um, you know, your reaction is to something. So. Well, it's, it's, it's similar to, and I think this is a really good one. It's when, here's a good example. I'm going to use this as an example. Um, the first few days I was sick. Uh, when I was able to actually be awake for a little bit, um, I was I was okay and able to respond to things like Myers barking, 
Mm -hmm. right? But the longer I was sick, the more frustrated I was getting because I was sick and his barking started getting to where I became reactive. Yeah. To where I was quick to be like, you know, that's enough. And very quick to, well, react to his reaction instead of normally going, okay, he's barking out the window. Myers, that's enough. Mm-hmm. Let's do a redirect. Because emotionally I was I was drained and not feeling good and frustrated because I wasn't feeling good. And physically you couldn't do it. Physically I couldn't do you it. You couldn't follow through. Yeah. yeah. So uh, all that kind of built up into a reactivity. So when you're looking at stress stacking – where stress just piles on, you get to the point where I think it clutters that that bridge where the emotion and the decision-making talk to each other, right? So, um, and I think that happens to our dogs a lot. Yeah, this that could go. It could. I'm going to get into the, when we do our adolescent um, <laughs> episode, we're going to get into that. What is the podcast you listen to where it's like, we're not psychologists. However, we have done extensive research on oh God, <laughs> that. That is like one of my should. favorites. I feel like we should. Please note that <laughs> Nikki is not a licensed psychologist, but she has done a lot of research I for this episode. For this episode, I feel like we should put that disclaimer on there. Well, I have been doing a lot of uh, continuing education on brain development with dogs. And I have nothing except that I just am a nerd and I just read a lot. But... Mm. And I yeah. So forgive us if we're not using but I, the appropriate terms at at all times. But also, when I say read a lot, I mean I read people a lot. That's what I'm. Yes, you do. That. You're good at that. Yeah. Um, some of the last little words um, that I want to think about uh, is uh, a dog being my dog is lazy. You know, when somebody says my dog is lazy then that stops them from continuing to look deeper. Right? If I say, oh, my dog's just lazy. Is your dog lazy or is your dog in pain? Does your dog have some GI issues, arthritis? Did your dog injure themselves? Are they not getting enough rest overnight? Maybe you've just not found um, something they enjoy doing. Maybe they don't like to go for walks around the neighborhood. Maybe they'd rather play ball in the backyard for five minutes. Yeah. Right. So when we sit there and we label our dog lazy, we've stopped looking at what's the real reason why my dog is not being as active as I think they should be. Well, I guess lazy denotes intention. Um, so if you say my dog's lazy, you're saying my dog is intentionally not doing shit because they're a, a bum, basically. I mean, that's that's sort of the connotation of that yeah, I mean, word, I think. Yeah. Um, so you you sort of have to look, is my dog lethargic? And why? Uh, is my dog bored? And why? Um, I'm looking at my dog's sleep every night because of her, her collar monitors, you know, how long she's sleeping during the day. I'm like, is it normal for a dog to sleep 16 hours a day? I don't know. For, for adults, uh, usually 12 to 16 a day. Okay, cool. Cool, yeah. cool. Uh, she definitely sleeps more when we're on vacation and we're not here. Um, so I, I I get where you're coming from and saying that 
there is sort of a a negative like people saying my dog is making a choice to be lazy like maybe your dog can't help it maybe something's going on yeah i think or- i have a i have a personal issue with this word because um growing up i was told many times um that i was lazy oh so there it is and um but I have a I have a problem when people say it about their dogs too, just like when they say they're picky about their food. No, they're not. There's something deeper, mm-hmm. right? We need to look at that. Dogs are not just saying, I know you have something better. Feed me something better. No, there's, we have to look at that. I mean, unless as, you set that expectation. Well, unless you set like, that expectation. But I can, if I wait five more minutes, and they'll, they'll give me some cheese on I'm top of that, cheese. right? But it's. <laughs> But they're not even doing it as a manipulation. It's more of, wait a minute, this isn't how you did it last night. It's an association. You didn't finish it, right? I've associated yeah. this. So, yeah. but for me, you know, one of the things because I am not a morning person, and it is a thing um, to to not be a morning person. I am a night person. Mm-hmm. Getting up in the morning, I'm not a five thirty six o'clock. And um, I remember uh, as when I was a kid. I was always kind of, not by my parents, but mostly my sibling, um, that I was lazy because I I couldn't get up in the mornings. And I was usually always late for school. But it turns out, I mean, I I was not lazy. I played three different sports. I played sports year round. Um, And it was just, it was something deeper than that. And another is, you know, when uh, when I was younger and was working with my dad, I'd have to get up at four thirty, five o'clock in the morning and help him. Uh, he was a subcontractor and, and framed houses, and I would go and work with them, and it was some hard-ass labor. Mm-hmm. Um, I hated the work. I was good at it. I hated it, and I didn't want to get up in the mornings. Did that make me lazy? No. One, I hated the job. Two, I'm not a morning person, so that was hard. Um, but by being labeled that, because I'm not this bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, wake up at 4.30 in the morning and have coffee and do all that, that I was something not good enough. And I think when we look at our dogs and we're like, my dog doesn't want to go running with me. My dog doesn't want to go for a walk with me. My dog's just lazy. No, maybe one, they're not sleeping well enough. Maybe they're not a morning dog, right? Maybe they're a a livestock guardian dog who is supposed to be up at night, mm-hmm. right? Um, but because we've changed their environment, we're having to help them adjust. But maybe they don't like to go for walks or they're in pain, right? If I, if exercise, if the only exercise you could do is running, I would never exercise. Yeah. Because I hate to run. Does that make me lazy? Or does that make me just hate running? It's a preference. Right. So. I just think we have to stop labeling our dogs as if they are making these choices. Instead, we need to look at it and say, if my dog is not being active, why? There's something deeper here. My dog is giving me some information. I need to find out what that is. Yeah. Instead of just labeling it. Well, and we we have to also look at, we're we're a very um, masochistic culture as far as work is concerned. Um, and so sitting still is not our thing. Oh, I've had a hard uh, time. Statistically speaking, <laughs> it's not. Yeah, we're very restless. Um, so, you know, maybe we sort of, I, I don't know if this is true. I'm just saying maybe we project that onto our dogs as well. Maybe. Yeah. But I think we need to stop labeling our dogs that way. 
And no, just I agree. Look, I just agree. look at it, look at it as it's information. Yeah. Is or there maybe, something deeper? Maybe your dog just sleeps that many hours a day and that's their jam. And that's their jam. All right. If yeah. I could sleep 16 hours a day, I'd probably do it. No, I'm tired of it. Well, you've been in bed, oh, you've been man, in bed for a week. So. I don't think I can sleep anymore. Um, and the, the last one I think I want to really hit upon is uh, my dog is aggressive. Your dog can't be aggressive. Your dog can exhibit aggressive behavior, but your dog is not aggressive. So please stop labeling your, labeling your dog as aggressive. Aggressive is not a, um, a type is that the right word I'm looking for? Are, are you're saying you're you're not an aggressive human, right? If I'm yelling at you, I'm not an aggressive human. I'm exhibiting aggressive behavior. It doesn't make me an aggressive human. Mm, that one's. I think that one's tough because I don't think you can sort of do the like a lot of times we do the uh, you know the kid dog correlation i don't think you can do a human dog correlation on this because i i do believe they are just straight up aggressive humans they are that way um whether nature or nurture so don't think we can use the human analogy on this one okay so that would that would be getting in there a little bit deeper because i'm thinking well the aggressive behavior that you're exhibiting stems from something emotionally driven well i think this also goes so when you say someone you're depressed instead of saying you have depression um or you have anxiety you're anxious or you're 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 being unkind you're an unkind person so i think what we tend to do is say something as if it is a reflection of a human or a dog's character. We, we label them as, oh, they're depressed or they're anxious or they're bipolar or whatever it is, or they're autistic. That's, that's another bit. Instead of saying they have autism they have depression. Like it's a part of them, but it's it's not who they are. So what we tend to do is make whatever that is into that being's identity. So I, I, I th- so I'm following you. I'm following you too. In in what okay. you're saying. So my dog is displaying aggressive behavior. All right, let's find out why. Because what we tend to do is say, my dog is aggressive. Uh, what do I do about Like, My dog is aggressive towards other dogs. They can't be around other dogs. No, your dog is exhibiting aggressive behavior around other dogs. We need to find out why. Right. And Well, and then it also sort of makes it easy to just say, yep, yeah, well, that's just how they are. Instead of, well, is this something that, you know, there's therapy for or there's there's some sort of way around this or management or or whatever we just sort of we just sort of say that's how they are and when we we label them and when we say well my dog's just an anxious dog they've always been that way okay no 
they may have always been anxious, but that's not just who they are. There are things that that have contributed to that, and we need to find out what that is. Yeah. That anxiety is a symptom of something. It's not who the dog is. Right. Aggression is a symptom of something. It's not who the dog is. Right. I mean, I, I it's it's very dangerous whenever you um, sort of base someone's identity on, you know, either a medical condition or a disability or a preference or, you know, anything like that. Um, unless that's what, unless that's what they want and that's how they identify and they have the, the, the cognizance to do so. But, you know, it sort of gets, sort of gets tricky whenever you, you base somebody's identity on, on, something like well, yeah, that. Well, it's, it's like if I'm looking at my dog and I'm looking at my dog and saying, okay, my dog's aggressive. Well, I'm going to change the entire way I handle my dog around people, around other dogs, around environments. I'm not going to take him out. His mm-hmm. welfare is not going to be that great, right? And that's where it's, again, it's we're labeling our dogs as something which is going to be detrimental to their welfare. Mm-hmm. And we have to stop labeling symptoms and information that puts our dogs in a box that is going to really not make their life that great. Yeah. Think about how many times people have had, my dog's aggressive. I can't take him out in public. I don't take him for walks because he's aggressive. Is he? He's, he's exhibiting aggressive behavior. Being aggressive is not a state of mind. Aggressive behavior is an action based from emotion. Mm-hmm. We've got to just stop these labels. And I think that's just kind of the, the whole point of this episode was to get people thinking about the words that they're choosing to use about their dogs, even if it's in a joking way. I mean, granted, I've called my dog a little asshole several times. Like, I'd be a little asshole. But I also look at myself sometimes and go, why do I got to be an asshole? But it's, again, being an asshole in that moment, that's just a, a an, an emotional response to something, right? It's not who he is. Yeah, I mean, I think anything or anyone can ch- – I mean, there are psychiatrists who say, sorry, no, if you have certain antisocial behavior, like personality disorders, that's not – there's probably not – too much you can do about that but that's not where we're at because i don't think dogs are psychopaths i know i I think i I think (laughs) there are definitely i think moments that we can look at and say okay there is something that's wired wrong in the brain and and we're looking at that neuroplasticity and and how well was the dog developed and and what was it during and you know neonatal and prenatal and i mean what did all this look like how much stress was this dog on you know was there trauma in this dog before they were even born Right. And, and all that yeah. is a part of it. Um, but when, when we look at just kind of that general consensus of us always labeling the dog, labeling the dog stubborn, labeling them lazy, labeling them picky, labeling them aggressive, labeling them reactive. No, these are these are these are pieces of information that you need in order to truly understand where your dog is coming from and where you want them to go. So that's I just really want you guys to think about the words. Yeah, that's so, that's a big thing. On the flip side of that, of all of this, um, we also have this thing in our culture of 
like extreme optimism where we sort of gloss over things, you know, like, uh, it's all going to be okay. It's all great. Blah, 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 blah. Sort of ignoring the issues. So the whole point of this is not to gloss over any behavioral issues that your dog may be having. It's just to be more cognizant of how you um, look at your dog and sort of evaluate behaviors that you're seeing. Um, so, and not automatically jump into conclusion that that is going to change your dog's life, not for the better. Exactly. So, you know, if your if your dog is biting everyone at sea, it's like. Don't gloss over that and make it all happy. Don't worry, and you're rainy. not aggressive. <laughs> Nikki said you're not aggressive. No, you're okay. just exhibiting aggressive behavior. <laughs> it's fine. That's... No, that's an issue. We okay, do need to so, work yeah. on that. I mean, but we're not going to label the dog as this is an aggressive dog. Yeah. We're, we're going to say your dog okay. is exhibiting aggressive behavior, and we need to find out why, right? And what we can do to help your dog. Yeah. So I think that's the thing too. Like, don't get to the point where it's like, ah, eh, this is just how they are. Yeah. That I hate that. I hate when people say, well, that's just, they've always been that way. Well, poor dog. Let's not let them always be that way. There are things we can do to help your dog. And even if you've had trainers before, not all trainers understand behavior. Not all trainers understand deep on a scale of behavior. Um, You know, so if your dog is having anxiety and, and, and you've worked with a balanced trainer, an aversive trainer, sent them off to board and train, or you've worked with a positive reinforcement trainer that just gave cookies all the time, and your dog's still that way, you need to reach out to someone who understands behavior. You need to find a veterinary behaviorist. You need to find a behavior consultant. You can reach out to us, because that means what I do. I deal with behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got to look deeper than that into just what you're seeing externally and and not be labeling the dogs and just leaving them to, to live in, a, in an anxious state, right? I mean, I couldn't imagine, you know, if I have depression, if, if I just have to live with that because it's just who I am. No, there's medication for that, right? There's medication and there's therapy and there's things to make things better, right? If somebody's anxious all the time, no, it's not. We're not going to say we're not going to give you any medication or, or no therapy. It's just who you are. You got to deal with it. Yeah. No, we're going to help you. We're going to get you some medication. We're going to help you with therapy. And we're going to help you manage that symptom that you have um, Um, to have a better life. Disclaimer, we're not talking about accessibility here because that's a whole different issue as far as people having access to that help for those sorts of things. Just want to say that. You're always like so politically Correct. I'm, it's not politics. It's just. Saying. I mean, I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, I'm like, where did we just go? Some people don't have access oh. to that. It doesn't mean, though, that that's just who they are. Correct. Yeah. I just, yeah, I, I just want people to know that. We, see, this is why Brett. That's why she's got that, the the degree in public relations <laughs> and saying all the right things. I'm just. <laughs> Sometimes I'm surprised she doesn't control the record and stop button just so that I have before. So I that have before I have made you uh, erase some things. Before. I was like, no, that you, that's not okay. It's not okay. Well, look, I have made it an hour and fifteen the minutes. Word. You can say GD. Look, you... I've actually I don't even think I've yeah I've said a cuss word. I made it an hour and fifteen minutes without cussing. No, I mean an hour and fifteen minutes of actually sitting up straight. 
Oh. And not needing a nap. Oh. I mean, I'm drinking my sweet tea in my Jason cup. Good, good for you, Friday the 13th. <laughs> Friday the 13th cup. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, anyway, I hope this at least got you guys thinking and, and again, sorry that it's been a couple of weeks. Um, we didn't forget about you. I've missed you. Um, and you know what, if you have ideas on words that you think we should be using or, you know, anything like that, please shoot us an email, a uh, podcast at dogspeak101.com. We'd love to hear from you. Um, we had some listeners questions. I'm not going to get to those today. Um, I'm I'm at the end here. I'm not so, going to, yeah, I'm not going to throw those on you yeah. without preparation. So, because we've um, got some tough ones. So, so we'll, we'll, we're going to get back on track um, with some recordings. We've got some good recordings coming up um, with some clients, uh, with uh, uh, Dr. Neely North, um, a holistic vet. I'm so excited to have her on. We're going to be recording her in August. Uh, she's phenomenal. Uh, so a lot of my clients go to her to help with. Um, pain issues and GI issues, but we're going to talk about alternative vet care on that. I'm excited. Um, and of course, we're going to have Steve and Heather on together talking. I don't know what the hell we're going to talk about exactly. I think it's before dog speak and after dog speak and let them just kind of, I can't imagine what this is going to be. It's going to be interesting. I it, mean, I'm not I'm going to be here because you're doing it It's in the middle of a work day. But it's fun. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. So that I have to go to the coffee shop to work. Yeah, because I'm gonna definitely <laughs> need the podcast room for that one. Uh, we're recording that one in two weeks, so that'll be out um, the week of the 25th. I think that one will be out. So y'all look forward to that one for sure. Um, and if you have any other ideas or any questions, you know how to reach out to us. We appreciate you guys. Make sure you're following us on Instagram. Um, and that's where you can find most of the information that we have out. We don't do as much on Facebook, but you can, of course, check that out, too. Um, but we always love to hear from you guys. And uh, I've been doing a lot of Zooms with listeners, and I'm loving it. So if you have any issues and you can't find somebody to help you out, reach out to us, info at dogspeak101.com, and Brittany can get you set up with a Zoom consult. Um, there's a lot we can do over Zoom. Um, and I'm here to help you. I'm 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 moving back into 100%. So you're just hanging there with me, and and thanks for being patient, and and thanks for all the well wishes that you guys have sent out uh, to us on Instagram. I appreciate that. I feel loved. All right, Britt, you got any lasting final words? I f- I feel like I've said a lot today. So I'm appreciative <laughs> that you did. I've talked more than usual. So. I appreciate that. Everybody's probably done. Well, I mean, you've been in this house kind of not having anybody to talk to for seven days. So <laughs> other than, can I get you anything, baby? This is, this is the first time, like, having a microphone in front of my face. I'm like, hell yes. I'm ready to talk. Yeah, she's been she's been a little lonely, y'all. It's sad. Um, all right. I hope all y'all stay healthy, stay COVID-free. I love you guys. Appreciate you. And... Um, Can't wait to hear from you. Have a great week.